This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kristen Truer. This is episode 86. This week's guest, Jolene Hart, is a holistic wellness expert and an old friend of mine. She coaches women on nutritional strategies to prevent and treat beauty concerns, including acne, weight gain, and aging, and educates consumers about natural beauty products through her company, Beauty is Wellness. Jolene is a former beauty magazine editor and journalist, and she shares her journey of moving from that world to becoming a health coach. Jolene has written a number of books, including her Eat Pretty book series, which has become an international bestseller. And she is so passionate about being a book author, you'll want to pick up all her books. Jolene's health journey has not always been easy. Jolene talks about her challenges and tactics as someone who faces chronic illness with late-stage Lyme disease and co-infections. You will learn from Jolene some easy ways to embrace your inner beauty and how to use nutrition in your everyday life. I hope you love my conversation with Jolene. Jolene, welcome to the Illuminate podcast. I'm super happy to have you here today. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. And I guess I should start with really the background of how we know each other, which is dates us quite far at this point, but we both went to Bucknell University and I think you were the year ahead of me. You graduated in 2003? Yes. Yes. And I graduated in 2004, but we were part of something that Bucknell has called the Bucknell Brigade, where we went to Nicaragua and worked with a community that Bucknell has a relationship with. Um, it started after, which hurricane was it? Now I'm now I'm blanking on which one it was. Um, but we, w- we went down to Managua and they they work with a community down there and they were building a health clinic and serving people who had been displaced from the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were building a brand new medical medical facility when we were there on our trip. Yeah, and then we also, you know, one of the memories that I have from that trip that really stuck out to me was, remember when we went out into the community with the deworming yeah. pills? Yeah, that was the whole, I mean, just seeing everything in person, I, I still have like very vivid memories of everything that we saw in, yeah, in, in the town and just where, how people were living. Yeah. Interestingly, that trip, I would say, was my moment of engagement and sort of shaped my career. Wow. That's incredible. And it kind of led me into the international development, global health work. I felt like wow. there was something there for me and there's more that, that I need to do. Absolutely. I remember we even met with, was it like, was it USAID? Yes. And it, that was really interesting, too, to see how um, how people from around the world were you know, c- kind of coming in to help. I remember getting 
the thing that stuck out for me from that meeting was that they were importing food. Mm. And I'm like, why are we importing food? Mm. Why don't we work with in the community and help them self-sustain? Sure. Yeah. Especially because there, there was, you know, such incredible food grown there. Remember like the fruit that we were able to have, how fresh it was and yeah. You know, yeah. Just, just too. But um, but yeah, that was a really amazing trip. It was. So we met on that trip. And I have since just followed your incredible career in, well, it started really in beauty, and then moving into health and wellness. Yeah, this was not a track I could have ever predicted. When I was at Bucknell, I was a English and Spanish major. So I, I knew I wanted to go into publishing. And after college, I explored you know, first kind of newspapers. And then I was in magazines for a while. I looked at, you know, book publishing too, but magazines was where I ended up and was working in fashion a little bit and ended up getting a job in, in beauty, which um, for me was like a really unexpected track, but I was kind of loving the, like the creativity and the energy around the like sort of fashion and beauty industries. And I just, I just wanted to write. I felt like as a writer, um, you know, if you could write well, you can write about anything. And so I kind of found my way into into those industries. Um, but from there, I, you know, I had some really persistent skin issues that had been, I guess, probably over a decade. Like when you knew me, I'm sure I, I had a lot of them. I had cystic acne and eczema and was, you know, seeking help from from doctors, but also as a, as working as a beauty editor, I had access to all kinds of skincare professionals. So um, celebrity facialists, you know, top dermatologists, I could call up any skincare company and have them send me their latest products to try. And I just kept thinking like, I'm definitely going to get to this root cause and I'm going to fix my skin. And it, it wasn't happening to the point of resolution. Like I got really good at covering up what was going on in my skin. Um, but it just, I felt very disingenuous in this job, giving beauty advice to millions of readers when, um, I knew that I couldn't figure out how to fix my skin, you know, on my own. And that led me to, to kind of look a little deeper into what was going on in my body and seek out answers in terms of, you know, diet and lifestyle. And from there just took a step back and became a health coach and started working in wellness journalism. I wanted to, to know more about the link between nutrition, the skin and hormones and um, gut health and all of these aspects of skin that we weren't talking about, certainly not in, in women's magazines and in the beauty space. Um, so that's kind of how my career sort of wound its way to, to where I am today. That's amazing. The fact that you had access to the products and the experts that you did, but that wasn't getting to the the heart of your issues or helping resolve them. Not only that, but I kept being told, no, you shouldn't look at this aspect of it. No, there's nothing that you can do with your diet. Um, you know, no, you're, you're like, you're kind of like you're barking up the wrong tree here. Let's mm. look at topically what we can do. And I had been raised by a mom who was, you know, very, she was a nurse and she is a nurse and very nu nutritional and holistic minded. She had started a, a natural food co-op when I was a kid. And she would always kind of teach me like there was a food that would help with whatever my, you know, concern of the moment was. Um, and so I always just had this idea that there was at least something I could do with my diet that would help. I had no idea once I went down that rabbit hole that everything that I was doing and choosing um, had really led into what was happening on my skin, what was manifesting on my skin. But 
um, yeah, I certainly was told by everyone that I checked in with, like, no, there's really nothing there. Like, no. So what did you learn? I learned, well, so I had, um, around the age of 10, I had become a vegetarian and I had, you know, eaten well, especially when I was at home, but going into high school and college, I totally became a junk food vegetarian. So yes, pizza is vegetarian. Um, you know, there are lots of different like snack foods that are vegetarian and didn't have an understanding of how to first of all, manage my blood sugar. So going from snack to kind of grazing to sweets, I had a real sweet tooth. I was on a blood sugar roller coaster constantly. And that really, um, does a lot to imbalance your hormones. So mm-hmm. hormones were a big thing for me. Um, I also found out that I was intolerant to gluten. And I, I knew that I had been since I was a, a child. Like I used to get asthma attacks from wheat when I was a little girl. But, but gluten intolerance wasn't really something that was talked about until more recently. And when I finally took gluten out of my diet, the inflammation in my body reduced dramatically. So just looking back at pictures like the puffiness and and inflammation, you can see it in my face and my body and my skin. And after removing that, that was just a huge, um, a huge boon for healing for my gut and for my skin. So those two things, besides working on digestive health and, you know, managing stress, like all of that goes hand in hand. But it really, for me, it was blood sugar and looking at what foods I was reacting to that were really inflammatory in my body. And how do you know when a food is inflammatory to your body? That's such a good question. So really the kind of gold standard is doing an elimination. You can get, you can get testing done. And if you are having any kind of like, you know, gut dysfunction at the moment, you might come back as being reactive to a lot of foods and it ends up being pretty overwhelming. Um, And you can take a ton of foods out of your diet, but sometimes that's not the easiest or the most helpful thing to do. Sometimes it's really stressful. So usually, um, you know, to my clients, I recommend starting with one or two of the foods that tend to be the most inflammatory. Gluten, certainly if people are experiencing um, sensitivity and skin issues, dairy can be an issue for a lot of people. And trying a few weeks without it and seeing, hey, you know what, my skin's not breaking out as much, or I'm not itching anymore, or, you know, we kind of seeing, I don't have the, that brain fog, or um, those headaches, and and just really starting to cultivate that inner listening skill that I think a lot of us have sort of lost along the way, is just listening to what our body is telling us about how it's reacting to things. And I know I certainly had really disconnected from that um, during my teens and 20s as well. So it's it's about taking some of those foods out, trying a few weeks without them and seeing how your body and your, your skin respond. Yeah, I think your, your listening point is really important, especially now, because there's so much information about what you should and shouldn't eat. And it's hard to know. It's hard to cut through the noise of it and to know what's right. And probably there's a lot there of what is your body telling you and how is it reacting Absolutely. And so much of wellness now is just finding like panacea in this, this particular workout class or this smoothie or this supplement. And it's like, it's so dizzying. And and you're looking at everyone else and thinking, oh, well, it worked for me. And it's really, like you said, it's about figuring out what works for you by listening to how your body responds. And only you can do that. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. Okay, I want to go back to your mom's natural food (laughs) co-op. That is so cool. 
it it's really cool now, but it was the most embarrassing thing when I was a child. Like the foods that I had in my lunchbox were like tempeh, like things that people eat now if they go to like a really cool vegan restaurant. I would bring those to to first grade and I think at that age, I just desperately wanted to be like everyone else. You wanted to have like a peanut butter and jelly and fruit snacks? I wanted like bologna or like peanut butter (laughs) and jelly and like, or to get like the hot dog at the school lunch, you know? (laughs) Right. And it wasn't happening. But yeah, now I look back and I'm like, mom, thank you so much. And also I wouldn't be in this career if it weren't for you because you taught me everything. You taught me just to have that intuition around what your body's telling you and also that food is medicine and and in knowing that, maybe even earlier than some people are being exposed to it earlier, um, it really helped me to, to shape this career. Does she still have the co-op or what happened to it? No, I mean, I think, it's, I think at one point it just kind of became, you could get a lot of these foods in regular stores now. Okay. Um, and sometimes you go to like Whole Foods and I see these foods that I used to get, like, and she would get them specially, like, you know, decades ago, these companies that have been around for a long time. Uh, but it was always really exciting because you had to, there would be like a big truck that would come and unload the, like a huge order and all these women from our town who were also, you know, like the crunchy moms would come over and they'd all get their orders. And it was always really fun. And I think maybe as part of why I enjoy like cooking and I'm like a foodie a little bit is because I just love experimenting with new ingredients and we were always exposed to weird stuff <laughs> as kids. That's really awesome. Yeah. She's a she's a, a cool lady, even if she doesn't give herself that much credit. She, she thinks that, you know, she learns a lot from me. I'm like, no, you taught me everything, mom. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so awesome. So you got your certification in integrative nutrition. Yes. So what the is Institute that? For integrative nutrition. What does which, that mean? So this is integrative is looking at your whole body. And I think some people use the word holistic. Um, I like I like the word integrative because it, it sort of represents that you are taking into account not just one thing over another. You're not just looking at your physical body or your mind. You're not just looking at your your nutrition. You know, you're, you're looking at everything as a whole. And certainly I learned with my skin that everything is really tied into it, to one another. So who would have thought that my gut health would have been such a huge indicator of my skin health on the outside or who would have thought that, you know, what my periods were doing and my menstrual cycle was going to be such a big impact on, on my skin or, um, how I fit into my clothes, you know, things like that. Yeah. I mean, really, you don't ever think about those things. Right. And that's, and one of the things that we, I I use this as a coach, but we talk not just about nutrition, but about something called primary foods. So primary foods are the aspects of your life that feed you in a way without actually, being nutritious. So your relationships, Mm. um, career, your education, your spirituality, and we kind of go through and talk about, you know, how these aspects of our, our life are, are feeding us and nourishing our bodies. And quite often they're, they're a very big part of what's going on in our health and wellness. Which makes sense because it drives your hormones, Mm -hmm. your stress levels, your behavior, your sleep, your, your your reaction of how you eat food, mm-hmm. your self-perception, what you see when you look in the mirror. Yeah. Your choices for sure. So all of those are part of integrative health too. And I think that's so cool. It makes so much sense, you know, when you think about your health that way. Yeah. I, I love that. And that's how, and you, so you take that philosophy across your coaching. 
Absolutely. Um, and the other other side of my philosophy is, you know, just bio individuality. So what might be amazing for me might not necessarily be the best thing for you or, um, you know, your your coworker or your neighbor. So we look at each individual body and what diet works for them, what, you know, what kind of movement, what kind of um, mental health and spiritual health, all those things are individual. Yeah, that's great. And so important. So you, it, you know, on your website, it has beauty as wellness kind of everywhere, mm-hmm. kind of at the core. Um, yeah. Tell me, tell me about that. Tell me about your philosophy. So I remember, so it's like 11 years ago now that I became a health coach. And I remember trying to think of the URL for my website and like coming up with all of these things. And finally, it just, I just thought like, let me just say what I mean. You know, beauty is wellness. And when you are well, and it's not just on a physical level, but again, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I, I really believe like this is when you glow. This is when you look radiant, you feel good, you are, you're, you're happy with yourself. And that is so contagious. And, and a lot of that idea is, is the core of my latest book called Ignite Your Light, um, all about your personal energy. And I think, you know, your energy is an alchemy of your thoughts, your feelings, your food choices, your movement, the people that you surround yourself with, you know, this is kind of like your unique equation of, of what makes you and I think, you know, that is wellness, that is beauty. And that's what we're talking about. When I, when I say beauty is wellness, I mean, you have to look at all of that. And that sort of reflects on that integrative health approach as well. I love that. That is really beautiful. And I so agree. I mean, really, the people that are the happiest are the most beautiful and glowing, right? I, I, I really feel that. And for a long time, you know, working as a beauty editor, I've spent a lot of time thinking about, well, what is it that makes someone radiant or beautiful? Their vitality? Is it, is it youthfulness? And so often it's just, it's, it's a personal energy, just wanting mm-hmm. to be around someone. It has much less to do with, with a physical trait, you know, having like um, a symmetrical face or an hourglass figure or a particular length of hair. I mean, that's not beauty at all. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really more wanting to be around that person because they have that particular energy. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm just thinking about the people in my life that I'm like, I really love being around. Right. Like I crave being around them. Yeah. And it's because of that energy. It has yeah. nothing to do with anything that is really physical, right? It's just... Right it's that energy that they exude. So yeah, for a long time, I've thought about, so how do I bring this to the conversation around beauty? Because it's always going to go back to, you know, makeup and skincare. And and I love that too. I mean, one of the things I love about beauty products is that they create an instant energy shift. Like, you know, you've had the longest day, you come home and you um, wash your face with this cleanser that, you know, feels so good, smells amazing. You put a beautiful facial oil on and you just have like a moment, it shifts your energy. And there's really something to be said for that too. You know, it, it brings you a moment of joy and, and self care, you know, even just touching your own skin, giving yourself a little massage. So there's so much value there. Um, But I really wanted to add to that conversation and talk about, okay, what's like our energetic beauty? And how do we, how do we shape that? How do we create that and encourage other people to think about it too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so great. So I'm curious, how did you, so you went from, you know, kind of being in the corporate world, right? Right. To 
taking what was it a leap of faith to yeah. step into your own thing? What did that look like? What was that sounds that's that's a big risk. Yeah, I was I there were a couple, you know, I feel like I'm really good at trusting my intuition and saying this, this isn't right. And so there were a couple jobs, different journalism jobs where I was like, you know what, this just like isn't right. And I worked in um, newspapers for a while and was doing like hard news, you know, police beat. And I was like, you know, this is just not right. And then I ended up at a job where I was a red carpet reporter and, and did that for a little while. And that was just not right either because it meant, you know, asking people, um, you know, are you getting a divorce? What's your relationship status? All these prying questions that made me feel like, oh, this is not what I want to be. This is not uplifting me. This is not letting, you know, my light shine or theirs. No one wants to be having these conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, so I was leaving a lot of those jobs. And then finally, um, around the time that I ended up becoming a health coach, I just kind of knew it was the right time to move on. And it was around the time when the economy had taken a big dive. Nobody was getting promoted at our magazine. It just felt like, you know what, this is the time to take the risk. Like if you don't do it now, who's to say if you ever will. So, um, and it sort of unfolded in a way that I never expected. I thought maybe I'd be a freelance writer for forever and quickly realized like, no, I, I want a health coach. Like, um, when I took my, you know, Myers-Briggs personality test, I was, I'm the counselor. I'm the person who loves to listen and brainstorm and help create a, a strategy to resolve something or deeply dive into research and help you to apply that to your life. And, and so it all came together like, oh, yeah, duh, this is what I should be doing. <laughs> and, um, you know, not in a way that I ever could have planned or expected, but um, I was glad that I kind of followed that path. That's awesome. So you've written five books. Yeah, amazingly. That's I it really is amazing. <laughs> what tell me what's got what goes into the the book writing process? Oh, I love the book writing process. This is what I was born to do and I feel like um it's it's funny cuz in the world of media where things are so instant, like you write something, click, it's published. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes, it takes so long to write a book. So usually, you know, I've, I've usually get about four months to write the actual book, the text of the book. Um, but then you go through this whole year of, okay, now we're, we're laying it out. We're designing it. We get, you know, this version of the edits where you get to actually go through the pencil and like check every period and comma and just watching it come together is so amazing. And then you have about a six month period where you don't see or hear anything and then the book sort of arrives and it's created and and yeah it's you know in all the years I've worked in magazines you never really close that circle with your readers like once in a while you're here like oh yeah I read your article Um, but with books it is a completely different connection like I get messages and DMs every single day from readers from around the world. Like this changed my relationship with food. Um, You know, this completely shifted my outlook on my body. And like, it is a completely different experience for as slow and as long as it is. um, I just, I just think it's so worth it to be able to create something that you're really proud of. And that kind of hopefully can withstand the test of time. I love that. And you're, I mean, you're illuminating in so many ways from your book that somebody, you know, on the other part of country or in another country right. is reading and changing their lives. And it's, it can, it's, you're, you're just going to keep doing that by another person picking up your book or books. And, and really that's exactly how my books have been shared. It was never, 
a, a big media tour or TV appearances. It was buying it for your best friend and your sister and your neighbor and your coworker mm-hmm. and giving it for birthdays. And, and it's so organic in a way that I absolutely love. I just love that that's the way it has found its way into so many people's hands. So That's cool. Okay, you're not supposed to probably have a favorite, but do you have a favorite book? Or or maybe, for, let me ask you that question first. Do you have a favorite book? Um, so Ig- Ignite Your Light, my latest book, is is a super personal and like, I don't want to say emotional because maybe that'll be off-putting to some people, but um, it's a really personal book. And so it, I think it's like, it's almost like the book I was meant to write. And I feel like even though the Eat Pretty series has... Um, has sold hundreds and thousands of copies and is now in five languages and it's just unreal. I felt like those were like the warm-up books for me to write Ignite Your Light because it was such a a transformative book for me, Um, writing it through chronic illness and having the book be partially inspired by chronic illness. It it felt like the book I was meant to write and in all ways I just kept being led toward this book. So it's, it's really special to me. That's awesome. And it feels really relevant now because I think chronic illness has emerged as a topic that is less taboo than it ever has been. And yes, who could have ever imagined? I mean, with like long COVID, this is what we're talking about now yep. is all of the symptoms that, you know, I have late stage Lyme and, and co-infections and a lot of the symptoms that myself and others in in this Lyme community experience are exactly those of long COVID. So it's something where, you know, it's been dismissed for a very long time and and we don't know or understand enough about it. And hopefully this will drive more research, uh, more funding, just more interest in being able to resolve these completely, you know, sometimes utterly debilitating symptoms for people. Yeah. I worked with Avril Lavigne in my last job. I was at at Special Olympics and she's one of our ambassadors. Yeah. And Lyme is a, you know, a major platform of hers. And so working with her, I learned a lot about it. And I just never, ever knew how devastating that disease is. If you had asked me, I thought it was, I thought it was achy joints and being tired. You know, I absolutely no idea. Yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about about Lyme and what that means sure. for a lot of people? Yeah. I mean, it. so it really manifests in different ways in different bodies. Um, and the symptoms really run the gamut. Sometimes they refer to it as the great imitator. Um, but normally when you do get a tick bite with Lyme, there are multiple co-infections that come along with it, which can be even more debilitating than than Lyme itself. So um, for a lot of people, myself included, it's when you're trying to recover from Lyme, you're also trying to recover from a few other things at once. And for me, um, all of my symptoms had been primarily cardiac and neurological. So for me, I had had two heart surgeries um, before I ever got even close to a Lyme diagnosis. And you know, no way. Had, you know, years of, of being treated for cardiac symptoms with never any mention of, of Lyme or not to mention like co-infections, you know, people are like, don't know what that is. So yes, it can manifest in many different ways for many different people. Two heart surgeries? Yes. Hi, that's, wow. Yeah. For for me, I think, um, you know, when I finally got the diagnosis, it had been eight years since my symptoms really started. Wow. 
And I mean, the thing is, now that I know a lot more about it, not everything, but that this is unfortunately very typical that it takes so long to diagnose. Yeah. yeah. And, and now that, yeah, and me, me too, now that I know a lot more about the different ways that symptoms manifest, I'm kind of like a textbook case for, for the Lyme and co-infections that I have, but um, most doctors aren't really aware and many of the tests are very fallible. So you mm-hmm. won't necessarily get the right result. So what do you do to manage it now? Well, <laughs> uh, I'm still treating uh, for sure. So that looks like, you know, it looks like antibiotics. It looks like um, herbs. It looks like um, like anti-malarials for, for one of my co-infections. And I've been on that kind of journey for like three years now in, in that kind of treatment. But it's also day to day, you know, really managing your stress, getting tons of rest, tons of detox. So every day there's got to be something that makes me either sweat or supports my liver detox, um, just to help with kind of getting rid of everything that my body's trying to process. Um, you know, I've been able to increase my exercise so I can walk, you know, several miles at a time now, which is amazing. It's like, it's like feeling your body kind of come back online after years of not being able to do that. But Um, but yeah, it's, it's really day to day kind of checking in with where you are because some days will be great and some days won't be. So, um, it's, it's understanding that it, you know, healing is not linear and sometimes you'll take a big leap forward and sometimes you'll take a big leap back and being okay with the, the pace that your body is, is moving in and just kind of trusting that your body is working to heal. But, um, it's not, it's not easy for a lot of people, especially to find the right treatment or a provider to, to treat you because a lot of people don't, and it can be really expensive out of pocket to seek, um, like a Lyme literate doctor. So it's a, it's a huge issue. And the amount of people that get diagnosed every year, I think there's even more that get misdiagnosed. Yeah. And then you got, you have a little guy, right? Yeah. He's getting even bigger. He's, he's seven now. Okay. So, so- yeah. I, I assume that you probably have to have a supportive partner to help yeah. when things are not, when you have a, you know, a relapse or a yeah. bad day. You know, and, you know, if there is a, has been a silver lining to the last year of COVID, it's that a lot of, of our lives have been at home. So when there is a flare or, or a bad day or a bad few days, it's just kind of, it kind of looks like, you know, just being a little slower. In in the beginning, it was a lot harder. It was trying to care for a small child and not being necessarily able to, you know, get around the house easily and take care of myself. But now it's easier. Now it's I'm in a more stable place. And when I do have a bad day or a flare, it's just like, okay, like I'm probably going to stay in my, you know, my, my sweatpants today or my PJs and um, do a little writing, but mostly kind of take it slow and you know, just kind of do what my body can do. But it is interesting. And especially the fact that, I mean, there are so many invisible illnesses out there, but Lyme being one of them is that um, on the outside, I really don't look sick. And and sometimes I look at myself in the mirror, like, it's just crazy that you can see someone and have absolutely no idea the dysfunction and, and disability that's happening like in their body. And it's given me such an, an amazing just perspective as a health coach, just trying to feel empathy for what a lot of people have experienced in their in their health journeys you know yeah I mean there is something to that invisible aspect of it Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and it's a it's something that 
I certainly never realized before and has been so humbling for me to realize that everybody might be going through something and you have absolutely no idea what it feels like to be in their body. Yeah, that is, that's important. And I think that also relates to the energy conversation, right? Sure. So, you know, what it, what is the underlying issue that yeah. may be zapping somebody of their energy or causing them to be in a state where they, they aren't at their top beauty, right? That's true. And, and for me, like for Ignite Your Light, you know, the core of that book is like when everything else is out of control, energy is the one thing that you can control. That is, it is your superpower and you use it to write your story. So like, you know, through a challenge in your life, through a health diagnosis that is, that is incredibly trying every day, you're the only one that can choose your energy around that. You know, you can really let it, and it may, it may crush you for a long time, but then you may find that you're ready to shift your energy and, and be in a different place. And, and again, that is, that's how you write your own story. Cause in a way I, I really felt like I'm not just going to let this be the, the end of this. It's not like, okay, chronic illness. And then that was it. It's no, you have to continue to, to create and, uh, and shape this life journey of yours and kind of use that to inform, you know, what you do next. It can't be the, the, the be all end all. And, and it just didn't feel like that's where I wanted things to go, but it certainly takes, takes a lot to be able to step into that power and to use your energy and to be able to shift it when you're in a place where it just feels like, whew, how am I ever going to crawl my way out of this abyss? You know, like, how do mm-hmm. I get through this? It's really one energetic choice at a time. And I, that's what I say is resilience is literally one choice at a time. Yeah. You're so strong. That's, I, I mean, it's, I, I can't imagine what it, took you to to get into that mindset and to help you even that sometimes those one step that first step right is so hard to take I think everybody has it in them and uniquely you know like being a, a, a mom of a very young child when a lot of this hit me like you really have a lot of motivation around I gotta get through this like mm-hmm. there's no there's no question um, yeah, that's not true. Cause there's somebody else relying on you. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And it, it stops being about you. So, yeah, I hope that you continue on the healing path that you're on mm-hmm. and you know, that there's more advances to understanding some of these root causes that exist around Lyme and, I, there will be. Um, I, I really do. And I, this is my sixth spring of being, here with like really chronic Lyme and this year I feel better than ever. So it's, I, I don't know why I, I like schedule it by spring and remember all the different springs that I felt like the world kind of waking up from winter and my body not being ready. Like I just felt like, how can it be spring and I can't like really go outside and move around. And this year I really feel a lot differently. So I, oh, I know that's that awesome. change is happening. We all need to move around in this spring of 2021 after surviving the last year. So I'm so happy to hear that. You really just have to look back and realize how far you've come because the the progress is so incremental. Um, Change doesn't happen overnight and that can be frustrating, but it's really nice to look back and say like, oh, it is spring and things are different this year. And, you know, you have so much hope for continuing on that healing journey. That's awesome. 
Okay, so that actually brings me into, I want to just ask a couple questions about your philosophies and some of your routines and obviously fully recognizing the important thoughts that you shared about how every person's different. But you, you know, you do a lot of seasonal nutrition, getting Mm -hmm, in sync with the season. So what does that look like? What are you going to do? We're entering spring. Like, let's talk about spring. What does that mean? Oh, so good. Um, So spring is a season of of detox and both spring and fall are times when your body naturally ramps up on the detox. But coming out of a long winter, we're eating heavier, more cooked foods. Some of us have put on extra pounds just from holiday weight from your body naturally kind of storing a little more fat in the winter or COVID (laughs) or COVID. Yeah, the whole the whole last year. Um, spring becomes the season of naturally lightening. So you have all of this um, green, chlorophyll-rich, naturally supportive of detox foods. Um, when you look at what's what's fresh this season, things like asparagus and artichokes, all of those foods have particular phyto, phytochemicals that, that actually support the detox processes of the body. So it becomes this moment where it's not just coincidence. This is happening because this is that season of supporting detox. And you notice that there's not a lot of fruit that are in season in the, in the early spring. So you do get strawberries kind of later on as we're getting towards summer, but this is a very spare season. It's a good time to cut back a little bit on sugar, do things that are even a little bit more bitter. There's a lot of bitter greens in the spring, and that's really good for supporting your digestion, having a, a digestive tune-up this time of year. Um, and that really helps to get your energy going as, as we build into summer when there we go. All of the juicy summer energy driving fruit is there. You know, it's when we really get all these naturally sweet foods, naturally um, sun protective, vitamin C rich foods. But for the spring, it really is about kind of lightening a little bit more spare um, foods that are going to transition from, again, like the heavier, more cooked meals of winter into what is going to be fresh this season. I love that. That's great. And it's, uh, this is like my favorite time to see what the farmer's market starts bringing out of the fish that they offer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to talk a little, I want to go back to the anti-inflammatory conversation. Are there some tools that, you know, that you use just in your everyday cooking or recipes or, um, things that you do that help you with your anti-inflammatory processing? Well, the good thing to know, and you know, you, we we throw on the word inflammation, the anti-inflammatory, and there are certainly foods that are really strongly anti-inflammatory. Ginger is one, you know, turmeric has that compound curcumin that it's very anti-inflammatory, but any like whole fresh food is also going to be anti-inflammatory generally, unless it's something that you are reactive to. So as long as you're eating whole foods, you're eating fresh, you're, you know, skimping on sugar and and processed foods, that's already going to be an anti-inflammatory diet. So that's good. It's like people get really worried that it has to be very like particular and strict and certain foods. It's just whole, fresh, colorful, seasonal. That's all anti-inflammatory. Um, but for sure, using lots of different spices, herbs and spices are really strongly anti-inflammatory. So adding more of those, um, in, again, in season, they always have particular benefits, whether it's um, supporting digestion, being wonderful for detox, maybe they're high in a particular um, mineral supportive of your body. But 
all of those foods are going to have even more of an antioxidant value, anti-inflammatory value. Love that. And then how about balancing hormones? Is that, are are the best tools around that controlling your blood sugar? Are there other things that you use or you recommend? you picked it up so quickly. The The foundation of your hormones is really balancing your blood sugar. And I work with every single client on blood sugar balance, whether they're coming to me with weight loss goals, whether they have skin concerns, whether they just have low energy. Blood sugar is like, okay, we're going to start here at step one. It is, it is learning about your body and your blood sugar and having well-rounded meals. So sitting down to a meal and making sure that you have a healthy fat, you have a source of protein, hopefully a good quality source, and then more than half of your plate is abundant, colorful produce, fruits and vegetables, hopefully there's leafy greens there, um, that's always a really powerful source, but structuring your plate like that at every meal. And I really find, um, especially as women, I don't know if we maybe don't take the time to always make a meal for ourselves, but I see a lot of people who will have like a yogurt and think it's like a meal or either that or skip a meal and think I'll just catch up like at dinner or, you know, I'll, I'll miss this meal and catch up later on. It doesn't work like that with your body and your blood sugar, especially if you're someone who's going all day and you're a mom or you're busy at work, your body needs fuel. And once you are giving it that fuel, you realize you're, you're satiated, you feel full sending a message to your brain that you're full, you have enough resources. Um, And then again, your blood sugar is steady. And that's when things like weight loss become possible. Before that, if you are going long periods of time and have severe calorie restriction or just not getting enough of what your body needs, that's when you are really holding on to weight. So we always look at that and make sure that you're getting these like full, well-rounded meals and then having a nice break and a nice space in between your meal where you can fully digest and your body can do its own natural kind of cleanse action through your your gut which happens in between meals and then you're kind of getting hungry again and then you start your you know you start secreting those digestive juices to get ready to break down another meal and and it seems so simple it's obviously so intuitive but we've gotten pretty far away from just those basics and from remembering how important it is for our bodies Okay, that's great advice. And that's so practical and doable. Yes, and it makes a huge difference. You wouldn't believe the difference it makes in your hormones. Every time you are dehydrated, every time you are hangry, so over hungry or low blood sugar, um, that's a stressful moment for your body and you're secreting cortisol, that stress hormone. Mm. And every time you secrete cortisol, your body steals resources from your other hormones to make cortisol, especially if your cortisol is high all the time. So if your stress hormone is high and you have a lot of stress, your body is is constantly stealing building blocks and resources from all of the other hormones that you need for your fertility, for your good moods, for focus, for great skin. So that's kind of what, you know, to put it together into how important it is to have stress management. um, That's a little reminder there is to get your cortisol low as much as you can. All right. That's great. Now, tell me about your rituals. Do you have a morning or an evening ritual? What does that look like for you? Um, I, you know, I usually try in the evening to have something that is going to be nice and calming before bed. So lately, it's either doing like an infrared sauna. So I have an infrared sauna blanket that is my favorite. It's kind of like a sleeping bag that um, makes you sweat the way a sauna would. Okay. 
it it just in heating up your body temperature and then cooling off it, it signals to your body that you're you're ready for sleep so I, I love that maybe I'll do a little meditation or I'll listen to a podcast while I'm in my sauna blanket or do an Epsom salt bath which is really nice for detox or relaxing muscles um, what else sometimes just you know a nice tea or even like a caster pack if I'm if I'm doing like a liver detox focus I'll do a caster pack which is sort of like a you put a hot water bottle on your abdomen with a little um, caster cloth and I have instructions to do this on my site if anyone's curious and cool. they want to delve into it but it's usually some kind of little self-care ritual in the evening the morning I don't really have too much of a ritual right now it's been you know it's been a little chaotic with having virtual school and having everybody sort of doing their own thing in the morning. I am looking forward to having more of a, a routine come back, but I do try to do a little bit of, um, a little bit of morning affirmations, like some prayer and, you know, some kind of quiet focus time where I just kind of get clear on what the goals for the day are, because it can just be, you know, it can just launch into the day and you never really get to look back and, mm-hmm any goals. So yeah, I always try to have something, some quiet time where I am just um, reflecting on what I really want to get done and experience in this day. That's great. Well, I could ask you millions of questions and keep going, (laughs) but I am certainly going to keep reading through your books because this is um, a really good flavor and teaser into some of your your work. It um, is. It really is. Thank you so much. It's a, such a, a thoughtful conversation and I'm so happy to share everything. This June, I'm going to be releasing a companion journal to ignite your light and the journal is called Shine On. And it's a way to kind of write your way through a lot of the concepts in the book. And and I use it for you know self-reflection. I think anytime you can pick up a, a pencil and a journal, you kind of create that space where you can self-reflect. And I'm hoping that that the journal gives people a chance to do that. If they enjoy the book, it's like a next step. That's awesome. Well, let me ask you our end of podcast questions. Sure. So you are illuminating in so many people's lives by your work. Can you share somebody who illuminates for you? Oh, absolutely. So uh, my dear friend, Sue Weldon, who is the founder of an organization, nonprofit organization here in the Philadelphia area called Unite for Her. Um, It's an organization that provides free complementary therapies to women who have been newly diagnosed with breast cancer. So while they're receiving treatment, they get complementary yoga, Reiki, organic CSA veggies, um, massage in their home. They get uh, counseling. All these resources are kind of given to them to help them mind, body, and spirit through their treatment. And it's just, um, Sue has taken her own journey with breast cancer and created this really beautiful program where it's just constantly, it's just giving. It's just no strings attached. Everyone gets to receive. And she is such a, a beautiful mentor and role model for me. And just, yeah, I'm just so glad to know her. And I'm an advisor to Unite for her and have been so so, you know, honored to be able to work with them in, in their program. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing her. Okay. We'll link in the show notes, your books, but do you have a book you recommend? Sure. I, and this book was really, um, really inspirational to me when I was creating Ignite Your Light and just kind of journeying through chronic illness. But 
How Healing Works by Wayne Jonas, I think it's Dr. Wayne Jonas, um, is a fantastic book for anyone who wants to explore the mysteries and the just incredible aspects of healing in the body and healing on so many levels. It's, it's packed with scientific study references. Um, it is not like a woo woo out there book. It is all about the incredible ways that incredible stories of people healing, um, from Wayne Jonas, who has been a doctor. And I believe at Walter Reed for, for years, he's oh, worked cool. in so many different positions, but it's a fantastic book and really inspirational for anyone who is interested in just the, the mysteries and kind of the amazing possibilities of healing. Awesome. That sounds like a great book. And what is your message for the world? Well, I just want to remind you that you, you only you write your own story, that no one else can do that. And, you know, if you can take your energy as your tool along the way, that can help you to shape that story. But, um, you know, don't let anyone but yourself write that story for you. Wasn't that a fantastic conversation? I learned so much. Thank you for being here, Jolene. And thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week.